Well, if this is recording like I hope it is, hello everybody, I am Cotton, we have another episode here of Out of Character, our podcast. Unfortunately, Jupiter couldn't be here because she is moving, but I have a great co-host I uh, bring on here, some of you may know him, it is Grift, or, or like Grift, you go, what do you go by? Is it all the syllables? Uh, I think Grift is a, is a good nom to go here. We'll just go with Griff. I got it. You know, I had to think about what kind of a co-host I wanted to have. And I thought, well, I could, you know, bring on someone with a different perspective. And I thought, no, nah, good old boy system will do it. Another another aging millennial southern white guy. Yes. <laughs> so there's two of us now. We, we can call what we want to. It's just like we want an excuse for two guys to hang out, you know. Yeah. And just be right about Marines, Talk about you know, RPGs, man. Exactly. All right, so uh, we we hammered out what we thought would be a cool topic. And that's themes. So that's that's what the the idea here is. Uh, he will have all the information. I will provide color commentary. Uh, hopefully, I may even have something to say. We'll find out. But it is about themes, and we're going to go through uh, themes, games, mechanics, how they interact, uh, thematically. What does Five E have that maybe Shadowrun doesn't, or maybe some game called Lancer, which apparently exists, uh, or you know, Legends of the Five Rings. Where where is this interaction? So. Uh, where do you want to start? We can start, you know, D and D, the good old, the good old standard, the old reliable. Or Webster's dictionary here. defines the theme as. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, just talking about like what what do we actually mean here? What was the topic that we were able to sort of throw together within 30 minutes of intermittent texting each other? We that's um, not. We spent several several minutes and hours and times. Like just, I, it, I think I touched a book at some point. It so. flew right by. I tell you. No. Anyway. Oh, it's like the themes you're trying to convey in your game or more the setting or the flavor. I consider all of these kind of interchangeable words, even though they are not at the slightest. But, you know, the vision you might have for a campaign as a player or as a GM, I guess, and whether or not the game helps or hinders or just gets out of the way and lets you sort of do the work from there, you know, just sort of compare experiences, I guess. Like what helps, what doesn't help, what is you know really important to like establishing the theme in your game you know what i mean yeah i i do i do i um uh, it's what it's, it's sort of a thing i've come up against i have a uh, dnd game i run and my, my my little happy players they're now fourth level and it really kind of messed with the theme that i had i had a theme that was very uh kind of not gritty but very uh mundane ish like politics and there was fighting between the these like warring tribes and uh it, it was very grounded and in, in like the first three levels of D&D, I love. It's very grounded. You actually need things like, you know, that hemp and rope that comes in your dungeoneering pack. But now that they're level four and coming into five, that theme doesn't work. They are now like, you know, pretty, you know, there's stuff out there bigger than them. And there may even be adventurers bigger than them. But it's a short list. It's I love hearing your sort of pining for level one through three like this. I've been running a D&D game it's been going on through like level 12 now. We started around five though. I remember we started sort of buffed up, but it has been, I'm just, I don't even know what to do with it. Man. Like it's a good, it's, it's been a good campaign, but the themes have gotten so far away with me just because I'm throwing all of these super powered monsters and ridiculous extra planar journeys at them just to make it a suitably epic campaign. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't really go in the old bar, you know, and uh, if the mayor doesn't like that you sat in his seat, you know, like you could you could punch his chest out. <laughs> You're just like slay. Excuse me, Mayor, but I just fought a beholder and defeated you know a wave of undead. So I don't give a, a a rat's ass if this is your seat at the bar or whatever. There's not much above you. You it really does provide that power fantasy. You are the heroes uh, of the show. I mean, there's just no other way around it because again, by level twelve, you're fighting you know serious shit. <laughs> 
like a you know a beholder could like slay what like thirty five like level ones or level zero NPCs with a blink. You know, to be fair, it has eight blinks or however many blinks it has. But still, several people will be taken out, and you're you know, and you're at that kind of level where you can fight with them. So yeah, like everything has to get to this sort of high fantasy, like Gonzo tales of you know might magic stuff. You, you pretty much can't escape it in D anD. d In my opinion, after like I don't know, level seven, I guess. Not that I, I dislike it. I I have been enjoying it quite a bit, but it has not been. I think I started this campaign. I was it was supposed to be like a kung fu film or something, and it's. Well, I mean, none of the characters wanted to go for that five. They all just showed up with something else entirely. And I've just been sort of playing catch-up since. Which, yeah. I guess, is, you know, insert your you know, session zero is important. Everyone has to set realistic expectations. And I probably could have done that better with this campaign. Yeah, I, I found it kind of hard to um, have the more intriguing elements of really anything happen. Because the elements you're fighting at those levels are so, are so high and so powerful. And you really can't contain your players there's nothing really that keeps them locked in that keeps them on their toes where they would have to act a certain way you know they are the central characters of whatever's happening in that world and that's cool that's great if you want to give your players that they're the heroes of the realm or, or the, you know the horrible villains of the realm maybe although again D doesn't lend itself to that like i'm in a, a really cool uh D game that jupiter runs where we're pirates and we're not bad guys well we kind of are uh, <laughs> we're definitely not good guys, and there's not any heroic level threat on the on the scale of your beholders. You know, D and D just mechanically and thematically is about going into remote areas, the, the there be dragons kind of places of the world where there are things that are evil or odd, and there's wilds and there's dangers, and you are sort of the vanguard of civilization. And I just think, and if, if you disagree, bring it up. But thematically, mechanically, the game pushes you in that direction. And it's hard to play D&D, I think, in a way that avoids that. I know exactly what you mean, man. It feels like the game fucking... I'm sorry, Should I? can I curse here? Uh, sure. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't. <laughs> like, first of all, right, right now, I can tell you are not an avid fan of the podcast. <laughs> it's like, wait, are we allowed? Like, no, probably not. This is not <laughs> so, the first F-bomb that has been dropped. <laughs> so, uh, I just say it just feels like the game grinds to a halt every time you're in a city. You know, the prevalence of, like, civilization, you're right, it just does not uh, gel well with the way all of us, I guess, learned or uh, taught ourselves to play D&D. Because, you know, you do feel like, you know, you need to be camping in some wilderness. You need to be on some frontier or in some ruin. That's really, like, what the, the game, I don't know, it's what it sells you, even if it might not necessarily be what the game is built for. It's built for a lot of things. I don't know. I, I think it's mostly built for, like, that. Like that. I see people who talk about, like, I want to run an intrigue thing. Well... Okay, at a certain level, like very shortly, you have things like Zone of Truth, which will break that 100%. I know. It's, 100%. I hate it's, it spell. It's like, broken. Oh, did you want to have an intense conversation? Oh, no, you just you just casted a spell. That's cool. Yeah, let me just cast my spell that will 100% make you tell me the truth, and I know if you beat the save. And so even if a person who is ostensibly trying to tell the truth, you know, the, the shifty alderman or something, you know, <laughs> you know, you're trying to figure out how the various wards of some Chicago-like world exist, and you, you pop them with a zone of truth. And either they submit to the spell, which you will then know was, was effective, or they out themselves as being shady to the otherwise, you know, unmaligned paladin. It, 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 breaks, it just breaks it. Or if you have things like fly or invisibility. Uh, or see invisibility. I mean, you can. There's just so no, many. 
Let me let me counter you here, Cotton. What's the difference between any of this and isn't there like an analyzed truth spell in Chatterun? That's a thing, right? You know, doesn't Chatterun yeah, give you all these same kind of opportunities? What's the difference here? What how does Shadowrun reinforce that theme or setting better than say D D? Because you're also shady. So you can't uh you're existing in a world where that's kind of the bar and that you cannot do those things to people because they'll kill if you go to your Johnson in, in Shadowrun and you hit him with analyzed truth. Uh, you'll get murdered. <laughs> That's, oh, okay. So you're going to cast a spell that affects my mind? And who are you? I'm trying to hire you for a job. You know, one of 45 pissants. And we have a lot more guns and money than you. And D&D doesn't work that way. You, you know, the players okay, are... but you can't, just, like, zone of truth the king in, like, the front of the whole court. That'd be very gauche. Not the, not the king, but the king doesn't really have a whole lot of... In, I mean, you can write it. I'm saying in general, if there's, like, some shifty guy who would... You could take anyone before the king. I mean, anyone. You can say, hello, I'm a paladin. I get on the truth. Bibbidi bobbidi boop. Boop. Hey, buddy, are you the guy behind all the undead bullshit? Yes, because it's on the truth. Shit, they got me again. It's not, I'm not saying there's no way to write your way out of it. It just, there's a, there's a, a sort of a weight that it's pushing. It's pushing to, uh, against intrigue, in my opinion. It's harder to pull it off based on the raw power of the PCs, the difficulty in killing one of them off. And and the these just wide variety of spell selection. Like I don't think mages in Shadowrun have the spell selection and these in the customization. You know, I don't I mean, know about that, man. There's a lot of dang spells in Shadowrun. Fair enough. I don't know. I, I guess I just think that like if you're the average Shadowrun did not involve a situation that would be broken by that spell, while that one could. You know, you could like if if you're supposed to get some information from a guy, like that's the heist. Right, this guy has some information, and you need it. That's a part of the heist, but it doesn't break the. You still got to get to the guy. Now, do you think the game itself is built to put you in your place like that, or is it more the setting doing the heavy lifting here? Because like, that's one of the things we, I, I think we can both agree about Shadowrun is that like it's this big world, um, you know, the quote real world or whatever, and there's just so much going on that you're not a part of. You are just a, even as a skilled Shadowrun or such a smaller piece than you know what I guess is. Probably a thinner world in your average D and D game. No disrespect, my world is incredibly thin. It's like three <laughs> cities and five planar, five planes with even less terrain than the you know the normal one. I, I think mechanically, it it Shadowrun lends itself to what it's trying to do. Combat's a lot faster unless you do it wrong. It's a lot more lethal. It's quicker. D and D is almost always slower uh, in terms of. Some people get mad at me about that. Like Shadowrun combat is extremely slow. So slow per round. But it's usually over in like we ambush, we open fire, and that's it. If you get into a protracted shootout, you're just it's almost never right. So if you I think that that is a common design flaw in Shadowrun is that people run it and they think, well, like, oh, I need like, you know, two waves of enemies or something. Like, oh God, no, please don't. Yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that that's that, somewhere there's a there, the, I do not believe there was ever a good idea for a protracted shootout in a Shadowrun game outside of some super one-off deal that could justify literally anything. Like, yeah, you can one-off justify anything, but generally... Outside of the last session. Yeah, so, yeah. So, it, but 5th edition uh, D&D, it's a lot more hit, 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 and hit points, and you don't just get killed. While you could be a very good Shadowrunner with 15 missions under your belt and the karma and Nugent to prove it, and you can get absolutely ganked. Like, just straight... And not because you got coup de grade. You can just take a straight-up rifle to the dome and be in severe distress and that doesn't really happen in fifth edition again passed around uh fifth or sixth level or really fourth i think uh, and i could be wrong but somewhere in there you got enough hit points to where the average crit will not like put you down 
You know, like first level, a goblin can get lucky and take you out. Doesn't really happen fast that. I think I saw something like that in a D&D game I was in recently. You're about seventh level and one guy was like took 45 HP and was like, I'm out. And I'm like, that's fucked. You should have more health than that. I don't care that you're the sorcerer. <laughs> this is so, yeah, I think that was an aberrant. Like it really, I, I don't agree with you after at that level, like no one is going to one shot you. And I think most people like that. You know, I, I most, I would say this about the last time I played Shadowrun, the vulnerability and the paranoia, like really worked against the group. And I'm not talking about in like a productive or good way. Kind of, it was, it, it was not a good vibe. You know what I mean? Some people just yeah. don't like it. That, that's, that's how it's, that's, very fair. I would 100% say the theme that that theme is different, but just the theme of D and D, but in in there's an interaction there. I think between mechanics and theme, and it's a specific theme that they want in fifth edition, and it's a very good for your generic first time RPG. And that is the heroes do the thing. We are heroes. We are badass as shit. The power level between us and Joe Bob is immense, and be, and just and just gets wider. You know, by by fourth fifth level, you have eclipsed what the average human being will see in their life. And you got 15 more levels to go, you know, and by round 10, you're, you're knocking on like, you know, crazy levels of like godhood slash everyone knows who you are. I mean, it gets nuts. I mean, you can just start teleporting around and, you know, like breaking down meteor swarms and shit. I mean, you're, good, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you want to play this game, you're, yeah, <laughs> at that level, you're a wizard or sorcerer. You can just erase a town like, you know, twice a day. That's, not how a shadow run work, you know. Uh, it's it just just thematically. I I don't. I've never really seen a great stealthy D and D game past that third or fourth level because player options are so immense. It's so easy, I think, to break a challenge based around deception and lies, especially when everyone else is sitting on a bunch of combat shit. I mean, you're the barbarian, or you're the the ranger, you know, or or, or you're the artillery sorcerer. You know, you get a whole lot of mechanics which just don't get brought to bear, really. It's just not set up in a heisty kind of way. It just doesn't, I don't, I don't think, work. The power level is just too immense. It's a real square peg, round hole situation, you mean? I think. That's that's where I'm coming from. Do you, do, do you, do you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? You think I'm overshooting the case? What do you think? I think you can use a lot of that stuff. Uh, this might be like a spice to your D&D campaign, but yeah, I mean, the, the game is built as like a combat game, first and foremost. Like you spend your resources, you win fights, you maybe have a few interactions here and there, but most people, I wouldn't say, go into it primarily for like, I don't know, stealth and social infiltration and that kind of thing. And I'm would have thought like, oh, you can make it work. You know, but then, you know, I play other games where that is a primary focus of it. And, you know, your brain expands to learn so much more. Let me tell you a little bit about a game called Legend of the Five Rings, Cotton. Yes, we're going to we're going to we're going to segue here to a different theme. And I have Googled this and I'm aware that it is. First, first, I, I got sidetracked by a card game. And I'm like, why the fuck? Why, why am I looking at this this deck building game? And then I realized it, 15 it started minutes. as a card game, if I'm not mistaken, but I might be mistaken. Indeed, but yes. Hit, hit, what, are, what are some themes, and and if you feel the mechanics of that game impact those those themes, what do you got? I'm not an expert on this game. I played it for a few months, uh, run by Bamps, of all people. He was the one who introduced it to me. And it is, well, I don't know. It's I can't tell if, like, the system is this, you know, D10 system where you keep the higher of, um, you know, a certain amount of D10s that you're rolling, and all the dice can explode. So the you know, the dice are kind of distinct, especially from something like Shadowrun or D&D. But what really kind of like puts you in your place is 
reading the book and getting this, you know, real culture shock, I guess. I mean, it's a, it's like a fantasy version of Japanese and other East Asian cultures, pretty, I think written by a white guy, but uh, that aside, the whole setting is kind of reinforced about like social standing and the honor of your noble samurai character and what you can and cannot demand of people of like a higher social standing than you. Uh, it's all very involved. I did not understand most of it while I was going through with it, but you know, we picked it up a little bit by little bit in the way, and we were all treated very cautiously when we would interact with like a new character or enter into a new situation. Uh, we had to sort of think everything through to the fullest extent. It was a real culture shock after you know Blades in the Dark or D and D or Shadowrun. So, so I did the, some research on it, and I wanted to ask this. So, in fifth edition, part of what I was talking about, like Shadowrun or D and D. Part of the issue I, I was bringing up is that players are the central focus in the world. They're just so powerful. They're the heroes. Huzzah! Lord of the Rings. They're the, the chosen ones. Shadowrun, they're not the biggest players. In the research I did on, Bla on uh, Legend of the Five Rings, it seems similar to that aspect of Shadowrun in that you are not the guy, right? Or is this, is this incorrect? So the campaign ended recently, and I certainly didn't feel like the guy by the end of it in that I was dead. Ignominious. So, <laughs> well, so my experience reinforces that uh, I'm sure you could, you know, build a, a great and heroic samurai that does important things in a game. I, you know, I get the sense that that's very possible. But so I'm going to come at you here is that what reinforces you feeling like a smaller piece in a bigger world is, I don't know, maybe it really is just a matter of having this really intense established setting because Shadowrun has that, you know, all over. There's like the lore of the mega corporations and what each city is turned into in this, you know, turbo future we're in, and the history of this fake Asia continent in Legend of the Five Rings. You know, it feels strong. It feels like really weighted upon the setting. And you have to, you don't have to know it necessarily, but you have to sort of respect it when it interacts with the story. Like all of us, even though none of us had played the game before except Vamps, picked that up pretty quick and we all really like held tight to it. Cool. In reading about the game, I saw that there was things like uh, there was like status, there was honor, and there was glory. And you may think, well, these these that my my very Western brain uh, uh, first thought was that these are all sort of related. It seems weird to have these three separate types. I mean, of they sound the same, right? Like, kind of. I mean, you could, but but I can see how in my, again my limited Western brain knowledge of Eastern social thought of that time period. That these are extremely important and different, and they, and though they may interact with each other, they're not synonymous. So if you have your status, how important you are, and there was a thing like uh, like status, you know, if you're a, a starting samurai, you might be a thirty, which is like you know about like that's pretty good, higher than most people, but you're a samurai. One hundred was emperor, like it was on the sheet. So like, you wouldn't ever be bigger than that guy. Well, I feel like in D and D, you could very easily become like the king of the realm if you were the paladin, be badass enough. You could be, you know, the guy. You could be literally the ruler of the realm with your, with your duchies and whatnot. But what's holding you? What what like what would hold you back in that D and D game? Hypothetically, nothing. Or could it be if like you had this really you know fleshed out and intense world, your character? Would or you, the player, might just look at and say, like, well, I can't move my way into this. There's just too much going on. Uh, you again, I, I think you have to write it. It just it just feels like D and D characters are gods, like on some level, they're either somewhere between like, you know, Thor and Jesus H Christ. 
they, these are your levels from like fifth through twenty. It's like you know you you can you are calling down, you, you are a demigod. I mean the level of power at such a man is so nuts that it's just it's just a different like you know it's a different thing. It's like if you watch uh you know Marvel Cinematic stuff and you see Daredevil, a great show, and then Thor were to roll up, it's a totally different fight. Like Kingpin is not going to beat the shit out of Thor. I don't care how many reps he does today, you know. The guy's going down hard. Kingpin's just lucky that Thor doesn't care about organized crime. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, notice. like if you ever watch anything with like Superman in it, Superman, it well, I think it was Superman in his brain is never going to take cover because what would he take cover behind that is tougher than he is? Like that's him taking cover behind a rock is like me hiding from a bullet by getting behind you know a stout curtain or something. You know, it's not gonna. Like, there's no point. That's how. That's the level of power that D and D provides. You you are that. You are just walking badass all the time. Cotton, think about it the way you're describing this. It's the level of power that you bring to the table that gives you authority in D and D. That the violence your character can inflict is what gives them power and respect. It's dark yes. stuff, man. <laughs> it but, works. Or, or should no? I'm not going to impugn your character like that. But I'll say the like that's what D and D I think brings because. Um, it's so much of it is combat focused that you think of the game in these combat terms that once you are like an incredible combat character, you're like, yeah, obviously I'm the most important person in the world because I'm the best at this game. And it's when a game has more going on, when it has these social aspects, when it has these uh, really heavily intense, you know, established settings that you can leaf through the book and sort of figure out your place in. I guess D&D has that too, but as far as I know, most people don't use it. I certainly don't. So in, in Legends of the Five Rings, I tell you, I'm going to assume, and maybe it's just me, that, that most of the people listening to this podcast are not as familiar with Legends of the Five Rings as they are, say, D&D. It's up there in, like, kind of mid-tier, you know, you got your, your D&Ds that everyone knows and, like, the, the really obscure stuff at the bottom. But, like, your Shadowrun, like, I think Shadowrun and Legend of the Five Rings are kind of, like, in that same space, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, there was a guy on Reddit one time who was uh, asking about what D&D was. Like, there was some thread in a general subreddit and, and someone described the game and he goes oh is it like Shadowrun and I was just like who the like how how did you how did this happen how do you know what Shadowrun is but D&D is like what's this like, you don't even know what genre of game it is like oh cricket what's that does that involve, <laughs> does that involve a track and field event like that's what it was like you know anyway off topic sorry but uh but yeah is how about an anecdote is there, is, is there was there a situation you can recount that you feel sort of captures either that mechanical aspect, that's that that social status, the glory, uh, the honor, and and the social. Because I was seeing stuff like you could specialize your character in like politics or something. I was the character specialized in politics. I was the um, the courtier of the group, and mostly I just used it to bully people. All right, well, I guess someone called <laughs> you. No, my anecdote is that we honestly did not touch like most of those stats, the honor, glory stats. Like really, it didn't come up in the game that much, but. We were still in our headspace so much that we kind of role played it appropriately. I don't think every table would necessarily do that. I think like maybe we just got you know like a good amount of group cohesion going in this game night. But I can't think of any time otherwise that it like the game mechanics itself held us back. Okay. Or so or I'm... guided our actions there. But I'll we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago after the campaign was over of like, you know, this is still like in my head though about and i'm still thinking about like different ways to role play that scenario or a different scenario i'm curious to see what it's going to take us we're going to start a new campaign new system soon cool i, I do look forward to that here's a question i want to put to you so in, in, you're in, not in, you're in, not in that game 
I was just being polite. Oh god! Well, I mean, you can update us, or is it like you have a, you have a, a Valve secret? Like I shall not. Talk. What's the honor? I have I'm not gonna. Sorry, I might update you then. But <laughs> I didn't want to sound like a jerk. I guess it's too late for that. I will keep everyone up. We're, we're gonna edit you to make you sound horrible. Like every joke you <laughs> tell, we're just gonna laugh, you know edit out any, me laughing, and you'll just be like four seconds of stone cold silence. You know, we we'll just put that in there. I mean, like <laughs> but, a, do an evil music sting. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just be, you you know or a womp womp every time you tell a joke or the. You know, the noise from Price is Right. Oh, come on, don't be cruel. <laughs> in, in D&D, it's an acceptable, mechanically, and thematically, I would say, generally, it's an acceptable idea to go in the front door. There's the cave. There's bad guys in it. Let's go inside. You don't have to, but your GM's not going to call you an idiot if you do, generally. It's, you it's will not ruin understood. the game if you do that. I agree. In Shadowrun, if you just go in the front door and be like, you know, where the file's at, you're going to die. And your GM will look at you like you're an idiot. You know that's not how this works. You know, there's a you cannot just go in the front door and ask for the files. You know, so in in Legends of the Five Rings, mechanically, how do you approach? Like, what is it like? Is it dungeon crawl? Is it you know all this crazy thematic social stuff where you're talking with people who are not necessarily evil or good, but maybe neutral, and you're trying to get their allegiance? And how do you solve problems? And what type of problems do you face? Our experience is about 50-50 of just what you described. So there were these open-ended political social problems. There are all these great clans in this uh, Rokugan Legend of the Five Rings setting that you know some of them hate each other, some of them only sort of hate each other, but they always have to marry each other or settle territorial disputes or some ancient curse has thrown a wrench into a wedding or something that you have to get to the bottom of. So there's a lot of maneuvering around, a lot of names you got to keep track of in certain situations. And, oh gosh, a lot of like implications of like, say, you know, appearing to favor one side over the other side. And it makes you just paranoid as all get out. Assuming you're into it, which we, I found myself, I really was. Cool. I have to ask, how'd your, how'd your guy go down? What happened? Oh, well, that was the other 50% where we tried like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of combat rules in this game. And I've heard it's pretty dangerous. Let's see what's let's see what's up. Let's get into a fight with some demons or something. Oh, yeah. Those demons are no joke, dude. <laughs> Turns out politics is not what fact, we was going to take did, about. I think this is this is worth telling about how we, we died is that we were in sort of this you know blasted hellscape trying to save a prince. We saved or we found the prince. Brought him back, we saw that there was a demon cavalry pursuing us, like Nazgul-type dudes. And we're like, you go ahead, Prince, we're going to hold him off. And we're like, yeah, we got a good position. We've got these fantasy guns that give us an edge over just the normal weapons. You know, I feel like you know, we could we could really make this happen. This, is, this was a perfectly sound decision in a different game. <laughs> like, the NPC told us, like, this is stupid. And we're like, this is, this is right. No, and, I the NBC told us this was stupid through Bamps's voice saying this is stupid and we did not <laughs> listen because I think like one of us had to stay behind if it was going to be like that and we're like no we're, we're too tight no not going to happen and I'm, I'm telling you like I think we all went into that fight thinking like you know our D&D brains were still active we're like yeah we could probably make this work absolutely run over and like, we killed one of them. let me guess it was that first hit where he hits you for like you know 40% of your life and you're like oh we're going to lose. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even play it out. We're just like, there's no need to continue. Let's all just narrate a heroic or tragic death. Oh, wow. Man, that's no one and, broke. You all went out with your boots on. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. I appreciate that. No one was like, I'm going to. No, no, no all of us. Die. 
Yeah, no, no one got pissed or nothing. I mean, we, we had a good time of it. I'm pissed. I mean, like just thematically, someone's character might have been a bit of a shitbird. Oh, <laughs> and been no. like, well, I gotta live. I gotta, you know, you know, I, I haven't seen the 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 conclusion of Endgame yet. <laughs> I don't know what happens to Thanos. I gotta make it back home, you guys. You just take the L for me. If if someone was going to do that, it would have been my character. But I don't know. It didn't feel right in the moment, I guess. Or I just saw myself not getting away clean. Like they would have run me down anyway. I'm a I'm a courtier. I'm a nerd. Yeah. See, but you went out. There you go. That's a cool theme. It was a good story. It said well, it sounds like it so far. Maybe it was. No, no, it, it was fun. Cool. Very cool. So you fought these. So the demons were OP compared to you. Like that was not a fight. Yeah, you were, that was an unwinnable fight. Absolutely. There, so there was even a mechanic where they said like, okay, you'll have a chance against these things. If you sacrifice all of your honor and we broke our Katana or Wakizashi blades, you know, which is supposed to be the soul of the samurai. And if you do that, you know, your honor, it's not worth shit. So we marked our honor to zero and Bam told us like, if you had any honor, all the monsters would have gotten bonus attacks, the more honorable you were. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what kind of monster is this? And like even doing that, we still could not handle these monsters. That's a weird mechanic, though, right? Like, I oh my god, the 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 demons are about to be upon us. I should snap my tiny sword in half, right? Am I am I, am I missing a? Well, I was expect to use the tiny sword anyway. But the things that your honor is tied to is they're they're very metaphorical, I guess. You know, like the soul of the samurai being in their blade, and a samurai who disrespects the blade has no honor. I know that sounds I don't know crazy, but you know, it's uh, I don't know. It made sense at the time, I guess. I guess so. I mean, have you ever that, watched samurai movies growing up, Cotton? I've watched not not growing up, but as of late, uh, my wife got me into some of them and sort of showed me. Uh, I think I watched the last was it the last samurai, the five samurai, seven samurai, seven, seven samurai. samurai. Yeah, we watched that one. It was great, and and I will admit, some of that 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 Eastern, <laughs> uh, f- philosophical thinking. I do not grok to it well. I'm a very, uh, what was the word? Material person. I'm a materialist. No, not a really spiritual guy. Not, no. I am deeply mundane. Deeply, deeply. That is, so that's just, I am all, yeah, that's just not my jam. That's why I love Shadowrun. I love, you know. I'm the same way, man, but uh, I guess I'm just able to role play it better. Yeah, what's uh, that like? I don't know. <laughs> Like, hey, what kind of characters you play in Shadowrun Cotton? Well, uh, a southern, a southern smartass who liked guns. Oh, okay, cool. Like, real big stretch, real, real, real narrative uh, uh, limb I walked out on there. So, uh, are you still there? I kind of heard you like fall. I don't know if you're okay. Oh no, that's just my chair. It makes weird noises. Okay. <laughs> oh shit! Got power through, man. You got, you got, you got to put some dirt on it. Rub it. Rub some dirt on it. Ah, okay. Um, but, do you but, do you feel like you play the same when you do NPCs, like as a GM? God, it it is. When I play NPCs, I am so far unable to play them seriously. Not not for long. It, that is the one thing I can do a voice. I don't mind playing a, a a female character and putting a voice on. But any character, it could be it, it could be anyone. It is hard for me to not be. A smarmy jackass. I just can't. It's so hard. It's so I think, and, and that goes to my campaign that I play in, and it goes to the campaign that I run. It is just, you know, hey, there, there's a theme for you. It is difficult for me to run a serious, gritty game. You are allergic to sincerity. I am. My God, what a <laughs> what an existential crisis I've been put into by my co-host. 
I don't. I don't. I'm the kind of person who makes jokes in uncomfortable situations. Well, it's coping and, mechanism. I understand that. I do. Yeah. And I so if I'm in a situation that's that's tough and gritty, you know, uh, like I, I had an example at, at my work where I had a uh, there was a coworker who burst out, and uh, my boss went to me and said, "Hey, that was uh, what they did was unprofessional. I want you to know that uh, you know, please don't, we're going to handle that." Blah 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 blah. And then I made a joke. I made a fart joke. I don't know why. I had to lighten the mood. It was tense, and it wasn't anything to do with me. I was fine. He was just telling me, "Hey, that happened. It shouldn't have happened. I'm going to handle it." You know. But Cotton, would just, you want a workplace where it was nothing but fart jokes, though? I mean, no, because <laughs> I was honestly expecting you to say yes. <laughs> I'm setting you up it, there, man. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, uh, you know, what, what what does Doc Holliday say in Tombstone? You know, look, look he's an educated man. <laughs> now I really hate him. I don't like people who talk too much and try to be too funny. There's <laughs> not enough room for all of us. Yeah, nobody likes try hard. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I say that as guilty of being a, a tryhard all the time. I just, I just, well, really, I just don't like the competition. <laughs> so, but, no, but, but the again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull it back to themes somehow. You know, we'll rely on our, on our, uh, you know, our editor who helped us, by the way, get this show running because I don't know how Discord works or technology in general. Uh, you know, I have a clock radio. I said it one time. Figured I was done learning. Uh, so yeah, shout, shout out to uh, to Grafe over there. Shout out to all the IT out there. We love yeah, you. All, yeah, all the IT. If you're in IT, we love you. Please, please fix my shit. <laughs> so, so, or continue to do so. But thematically, it's difficult for me to run or exist in a gritty type of game. So you say gritty, but like I'm t- still talking about just like a s- sincere NPC here who okay. maybe is. Like, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be like some twisted sicko or like some unfathomably, you know, cruel or even a tragic character, but just someone sincere enough to like genuinely plead with the adventurers. You know, for example, as a, as a quest hook, uh, do you not even pull that one out? Like even like the sincere farmer who needs you to rescue their children the, the right. farmer's still like cracking a joke or something i was about to go there the fu- doing a little in, banter. That, in, in that case i wouldn't but it's it's i can hold it together for about five minutes <laughs> so it doesn't always match it's like i've had that situation where they needed to go rescue a bunch of uh of native like they like the town had been sacked some of their villagers had been hauled off up to the cave up over, you know, beyond the hill. They've been hauled away over the hill, so please, adventurers, go help us. That's pretty serious stuff. And there was a guy in there like, experimenting on them and doing weird undead shit and making them into zombies and they were chained to the floor. I mean, it was, that's that's pretty gritty and that's a pretty serious situation. And, I, I, and I'm not conflating sincere with gritty. I, I get that there is a, a difference, but that's one that was pretty harsh. And I couldn't help but make, like, goofy jokes about the zombie guy. Like, he was that, he was like a stereotypical... You know, uh, like like Quasimodo ish, you know, hunchback, you know, yes, master, you know, kind of guy with like the like the steel circle, uh, you know, circlety band around his head. I couldn't keep it dark for very long, and that goes for any type of sincerity. Like, I, like there's just not a lot of, you know, yeah. I think you really hit a, a key thing. It's hard for me. It's hard for me not to be a little glib. I think a lot of GMs suffer from that. I myself suffer from it. I feel like I'm really putting myself out every time I'm trying to be like serious or dramatic or like deathly or like, Oh God, if I'm ever trying to like scare my players, I feel like such a fucking fool. 
yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes it really works, but you know, it's a uh, practice makes perfect. I think we probably guys like us, we retreat into like the glib, you know, jokey stuff just because it feels you know, comfortable, feels safe. It like, yeah. lets people know that like, Hey, you know, I'm not really taking this that seriously. So you don't need to take it that seriously. Not that it, it, like it doesn't have its place. I agree. Like you're using it in the right way when you're just like, you know, adding a little levity here and there. That's, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. And uh, I wish, I, I'm thinking to myself, the next the next game I play, and it could be anything, D and D, whatever game I play, I do want it to have more sincerity. That that's a word I'm glad you brought up because not necessarily, not necessarily grim dark or whatever, but that is a game that I want to play in. A game that is not so goofy, not because I don't love them. I do. I am in again some goofy games and I love them, but I'd like to try that. It would be a, a stretch, and it's hard for me to do that to establish that. When in five minutes I'm going to be making you know fart jokes and stupid puns, it's a it's a tonal shift <laughs> that I don't want to put my players through in my own game that I run. So it it that would be weird, you know. Yeah, like I was, you know, I was I was a you know my father kicked me out of the house when he found out that you know my mother had you know cheated on him and I was a bastard child. And then anyway, so here's a here's a pun about our you know bird captain and or whatever. It, it just it's a tonal shift that since I know I can't maintain it, I'd rather just have that goofy game than have it meander in a weird way. Hey, there's nothing wrong with knowing your lanes. So. The meandering is very tonally inconsistent. I can think of like, you know, a recent D and D session where I'm describing like this journey into the hell dimension. And I'm like, you're hearing the wails of the damned and people in your old life that, you know, you, you might have cursed privately and sent them to this purgatory beyond the plains and then they get to this location and it's like all right we're gonna do like a i don't know like a moss eisley cantina thing let's have some fun times with demons guys like, yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of this just last week <laughs> so, so the the theme here is uh, first of all to all our listeners out there if you want to have a solid sincere theme and maintain first you're gonna want to go to therapy get all your shit figured out you know talk to somebody <laughs> Be be comfortable in your own skin, and uh, when you when you figure that out, please let us know. Yeah, work uh, on your emotional and uh, <laughs> get your expression settled. Yeah. Step one of your D and D game uh, prep time as a GM. Uh, don't worry about monster tables. Go to the gym. Go to the therapist. Work out. Work on. <laughs> delete Facebook. Hit the gym. So, oh God. This is what this is what happens when you get two ADHD people on a podcast together. So usually Jupiter would corral me in and like make me uh, <laughs> would would very subtly help guide the conversation to something remotely related to the general topic at hand. So we've been plumbing some psychological depths here. This is good. Stuff I know. <laughs> Imagine me on my second drink. <laughs> so <laughs> I would, but I'm out of tequila. I got my lemon point. Uh oh. So. I do want to ask this. So we we've thematically touched on those things. I know you had another game you wanted to talk about, Lancer, right? So what is what are some themes about that game? What are some mechanics about that game? And any any interactions that you have found? Lancer is the hot new sci-fi RPG that's just tearing up the markets, the the online, the the chatter is heavy. I don't I don't actually know if it is, but it's definitely a game worthy of your attention. It is a tactical mech combat game. It is highly customizable you build this sort of like expanded platform of this you know big robot with all these crazy weapons and abilities it's um, absolutely like one of those games you have to play on a grid or i guess a hex map uh, using roll 20 online features is i don't know it's not a must but it's definitely really helpful 
and it is just so damn fun. Um, I will say, though, that I wanted to bring it up in regards to theme because I think the themes are so separate in Lancer that it kind of a, you know, what is a really good mech combat system, you know, it feels really tight and it's super involved and there's all kinds of like incredible things you can do, but it stops once the giant robot fight is over. You know what I mean? You're Once you're out into your like little character pilot thing, you are just this, I don't know, kind of vaguely defined pilot. In my experience, I've played in a couple of Lancer campaigns, I've run one myself, and the narrative portion is just so, it's so bare bones. Like the book barely gives you anything to work with. Uh, it's Most of it's like very loosely based off of a Blades in the Dark type resolution system. Uh, you ba you don't even really have stats as a human pilot. So it's really entirely a get out what you put into it sort of thing. And Lancer has, you know, one of those really expansive settings that I'm talking about. Like the book goes into this incredible sci-fi future, thousands and thousands of years where humanity has evolved in this completely, well, not really evolved, but it's developed in this completely different, you know, direction. And it's still, I don't think the, uh, the game really reinforces that, except for after the fight, you can just reprint a new giant robot to fight it if your robot got destroyed. Okay. So, so again, mechanically, there's going to be some impacts on your things because you can't talk, or I guess generally you don't. It's hard to say. It's not the same thing. You know, it's, it's difficult enough to RP a character around a campfire with your other characters when you're sitting on a table or, God forbid, on the internet, you know, hundreds of miles away. Now imagine you're RPing a conversation between two people who themselves cannot see each other because they're in their giant tank. And meanwhile, I'm, I'm, the nature of the game, I'm guessing, is one of combat. So therefore, you know, say, so Bill, you know, the wife and I had a fight the other night, you know, as you're like gunning people down. That's not a great time to be doing that. So it, is there even an opportunity for that? Yeah, I mean, the like I said, there's this rule set for like what happens when you're not in the, in the mech suit, when you're not in the giant robot. The game pretty much assumes that once you get in the giant robot, once you put up the battle map, you know, you are going to resolve that fight and then you can handle the fallout afterwards. Like everyone can get out, they can have a campfire scene if they want, or they can discuss the situation with some NPCs. So, but, but then I would ask this, if you are pilots and you have no stats and there is a life outside the mech, then doesn't that mean any type of social interaction, to the extent there is any, is dependent upon that individual players personal charisma and intelligence it is I, I would say that you know just uh from the games that i've been in if you you really have to like put out and get involved in the setting uh the i'm playing in lancer right now it's the just recently released uh module no i think it's called no room for wallflower and we are getting a little bit more into it as like players and i think the sort of additional material kind of helps for that but otherwise, it was hard to really like conceptualize what was going on in the game outside of that battle map. And like maybe that was just because it was a new game and the whole table, you know, like it was a new toy. None of us really knew quote like the the right way to play. You know what I mean? Because like I got into Shadowrun and I had to sort of dig into the community a little bit, listen to a couple of podcasts before I understood like what the game's supposed to look like. Okay, so yeah, well, I mean, generally, I, generally, I just jump right in. And then get prepared to get killed or something. So you know, I, I just I learned by the hard knock approach. Probably not the best way to go about it. Uh, in as much as you is in this game, you do a fight. Okay, like there's a reason to do something. I mean, you you have some 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 body organization group corporation, you know, religious order, whatever. They want you to go out in your tank and blow up people in their tank. It's definitely all possible. 
Well, so yeah, all right. So you have the big fight. Now, after that's over with, there's there's an RP session. Are there things like politics uh, and and discussions and intrigue? So I, I guess what I'm saying is again, mechanics in influencing uh, themes. Uh, my mom plays some D and D. She played a bard, and she is does not feel comfortable personally being that smooth talker face of the party. So she just relies on her dice when she would do it. Which again was not much because she wasn't good at it and did not. Well, she she was sort of on the spot. And uh, just didn't want to be out there. She you know she didn't ha- didn't have that confidence. And so I would say rely on your dice. Cotton's mom. Yes, surprisingly, my mom got into D and I was very surprised by that. But it, it there you go. But she, and she put a bard. Well, she does not have a desire to go up to the to, to some gatekeeper and talk them into doing what she wants them to do. But her character can, so she can go up and throw some persuasion dice at this guy's head and get a nineteen overall role and well you walk up to the guard and uh, you know you notice that he has uh some insignia and you come up with some story about how you had a cousin twice removed who was in the same division and uh come on help a guy out we're not you know we're on the level you know simplify blah 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 and the guy lets you in my mom did not come up with that bullshit but her character did but in the pilot game in lancer you your character is only as good as you in that respect in Lancer, all your spells, you do roll a d20. You don't really have stats. You can have like certain bonuses to very, you know, like context-specific skills. Like um, I think there's one that's like apply fist to face. I mean, that's it seems obvious. It's like when I'm punching someone, I would roll this. But it's only like a plus two or plus four. So you can really just roll a d20 for anything most of the time because the target number is always 10 or higher. Like you have a halfway chance of success. It's like it's bare, the barest of bare bones system for the pilots themselves. And if you were to say role play something really smooth about, you know, being in the same regiment or whatever, maybe the GM would give you an extra D6 to add to that role. But that's about as you know, refined as it as it gets. Otherwise, I mean, you aren't really just kind of rolling a D20. It's just a uh, it can work if you put a little little spice on it i guess or if you have like a good group of role players but there is just nothing kind of holding it together otherwise which i think is a fault in an otherwise very very good system so so we, we say it's a good system are you saying in terms of like, like the combat feels good i like building my mech i love my customization options i like how they interact with each other and i like this grid battle and man this is this is getting my engines going in a tactical sense is that what you're I didn't know I would like that kind of game when I picked it up. I was like, tactical mech combat? I don't know, man. Um, I always thought of myself as more of a theater of their mind, uh, role-play kind of guy, but I just freaking love it. Cool. It kind of reminds me of Gloomhaven. Have you have you ever played that? I've, I've played this one that today. I've heard a little bit of it. It might be similar. I've heard Lancer's like grid and movement and action economy is similar to like 4th edition D&D, which I've never played. I'm a 5th edition guy. 4th fourth, fourth was one that I, I did play a little bit of, and... Uh... Interesting. Okay. Interesting. interesting. That again, so, I mean, imagine a giant robot. Otherwise, a giant robot. I got you. So, um, like, like Gloomhaven, you have a you have a hex grid. You have characters. They have abilities, and it kind of, in my opinion, just because the game is so mechanical, and I have so much fun solving the puzzle of how do all of our characters interact and defeat this dungeon. I didn't really care. Like, there's a little bit of a story I get. I care about, but not much. It's it sounds like someone had an awesome D and D game. That they then codified, and because the game is so mechanical and so tactical and so board gamery, the lore just doesn't have a lot of a. Uh, it gets fine. It doesn't feel it's, real, right? You're, why should I care about this? Yeah, I, I'm. 
Honestly, I, like I've told the guy who runs it, like, yes, we've unlocked such and such mission. To be really honest, I'm just here for the fun of kicking ass, solving the solving the, the puzzle of the game, of whatever mission we're here to go fight, and finding new abilities and, 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 and interacting my character's abilities with your character's abilities and seeing how we can, like, you know, duo it up here. That That's what was fun for me, you know? So that's... It's. I think it's hard to have a super like wargamery board game type of game, but also still have that narrative sense. I, I think it's hard. Maybe that's just my lack of imagination. Who knows? Well, I mean, it's probably very difficult. I mean, I've been on both sides of a Lancer game now, and you, I don't know. There's should really be an agreement between the GM and the players that like the GM's like I've got to make a certain amount of encounters for you in this segment. And maybe if you're clever, you can get around one, but for the most part, you are going to be fighting like these five NPCs because I'm not going to build you another battle map right now. <laughs> so, and, so, and it's a really agreement. Any table should sit down, especially like more combat focused games. I think D and D is kind of like that too. Like don't tell my players, but I will pretty much railroad them into an encounter. If I <gasps> I'm like this encounter is happening. They are fighting this genie. I don't care. Yeah, I've I've definitely done that. I I, I, don't, I definitely don't think it's wrong to just you know t- take an encounter that you made, and it would be you know the crypts for such and such reason can can become the crypts for a different reason later. Like eventually, you will go on a crypt, and it will be these people. <laughs> and the, the the general, you know, we'll 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 change the <laughs> the the decor a bit and shuffle some chairs around, but. X number of ghouls and zombies were going to be there. Hey, it's a tomb. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tomb. It's, not, it's in the crypt. It's a tomb. It's very different. Uh, <laughs> one's underground. One's above ground. It's not the same thing. So, interestingly enough, I would not do that in Shadowrun. In Shadowrun, if they found a way to get around a combat, I'd be like, I didn't want to run that combat anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the game. I mean, that's it. It again. It it very much worked. Like, like I'll give you another example in D and D mechanically. There is no great, like, ambush option. Like, it's okay. Like, surprise is fine. It's it's really good, even. I would say it's really good. In Shadowrun, it is the game. Like, if you if you have a, in my experience, if you have a Shadowrun game, and you have the, the mission, you generally want combat to be, surprise, you didn't know we were here, uh, you're dead now. Everyone needs to invest in stuff. Although, I will say, mechanically, in Shadowrun, there was a big deficiency that drove me nuts, which was... The uh, surprise—you could not, if you the surprise test. That's what it was. So if you wanted to get a drop on somebody, and let's say it was your five people versus their five people, they might be able to react and do something, but because you're ambushing them, and you're in say cover, and they're in say not, and you have machine guns, and they've got whatever tasers in their pocket because they didn't expect to get hit today. Uh, you still win, but they get to do something in the next five seconds, and it usually didn't matter. But it was actually very hard to like have an assassin character in that game. You just couldn't build one. I disagree, man. My my recollection of the surprise rules is that as long as you are the one setting the ambush, if they are not expecting it, you get a big bonus to your surprise test, meaning that it's very unlikely for them to beat you. Like maybe one guy is you know really Johnny on the spot about this and squeeze a shot off, but everyone else is losing that first round. I was thinking, no, that that's an ambush of multiple people. I was talking about, like, in my head, what was hard to build was somebody who could take out a guard one at a time. Like, like, ambu- like you know, drop down from behind the roof, stab the guy in the neck, and then he's dead. 
when all they had to do was make a surprise test challenge three. And it did not matter what your character had. You had no influence on it. Was, it was a static number. They roll dice. If they hit three, they are not surprised. And, and, and therefore, they get to do something. They get to yell. They get to scream. They get to fire a bullet. And now your surprise is lost. And so like, if you, like, you would think there'd be a, a, a build. What? The text alarm into their com link. Yes, yeah, exactly. They could, they could, they could send a message. They could do. They have the ability to, to do something, you know. So even in Shadowrun, um, even in Shadowrun, like you could be an assassin, but like you're not assassinating more than one person at a time. You're, you're not. That's, a, that's maybe fine. You could do two if you were really lucky. You just need one. I'm, I'm just saying one. Like, like it's one thing to say we're going to ambush these guys, and it will take two rounds of combat, and round one is pretty much going to be the big one, and two is cleanup. Yeah, they get to fire back. They get to send out messages, but it won't matter because in the next eight seconds, they have no way to win this fight, and you do, and you'll be gone. Well, I guess what I'm saying is there was no great way to build a character who would, one by one, start taking out sentries as you go through a location. Because if they get a three on that surprise test, they now get the chance to do something, and you don't get any bonus for damage. There was no like, oh, well, you ambush them, like 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 the row has sneak attack in D and D fifth edition. You can add a bunch of like there was nothing like that. There was just no mechanic to have an ambusher that would come in stealthy, have a higher chance of succeeding on a stealth roll against being detected, and to do giant amounts of damage to just kill someone. So what happened is, you know. They don't get a they don't get a dodge roll if they're not seeing the attack coming, right? Isn't that true? I yes, but again, you only have to get a three. You only, which they kind of would. It, it was not unreasonable for them to obtain a three on that surprise test. So they they're not surprised. Probably could get three hits on what is it like reaction intuition? Yeah, it was it was the kind of thing that they had about a fifty percent chance of pulling off. Like your average guard has like a three and a three. That's six. So you're gonna get about what two hits on that on average. It's not absurd to get a third. You've convinced me. These rules suck. I'm sort of getting the weeds, but yeah, like there was no, there was no extra damage. You, you would win, but they would get one round to go. Help! I'm bucked. You know, <laughs> like the cavalry comes and the bat and the, the target runs to their helicopter or whatever. I don't know. It was, it was one of those things that I found frustrating. It's just never going to be a perfect Shadowrun. That's kind of designed into the game. Like you can do pretty good, but you know, someone's going to fuck up sooner or later. Just Maybe be ready position when it happens. Maybe that's maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was like, wow, this is it's just so powerful if we let someone stealthily just you know stab in the back forty five. It's just such an obvious play that someone's going to build in every Shadowrun game. The guy who goes, do you really want to sit around while like Johnny Perfect Ninja gets like yeah. instant instant kill, instant kill? It's worse than sitting around for the hack. Yeah, and then like, you just roll up and it's like his house full of dead bodies in the face. The, Street Sam, you know, knocks them. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what it was. Maybe they played the game and they're like, "Man, this is just broken." Surprise test three solved it. <laughs> that, that, I feel like that's what just I, we just zoomed into their minds. Someone said, "Good enough, gotten," and that's how fifth edition was born. Yeah. <laughs> how how was sixth edition born? I won't comment on that. I have not read it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's on my shelf since I bought it at Gen Con. It's not yeah, it, it. you know who you know who also hasn't read it. The people who wrote it. Uh, ah. <laughs> oh man! Well, those are those are some some things that we've uh, anyway we we ran about that for probably too long, but I or I did mostly me. I'll see we. Uh, I'll put you in there. We keep it partial. Uh, <laughs> I'll take uh, some responsibility here. Yes. Uh, well, let's see. We've 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 gone for a bit. 
are there any things you want to talk about in terms of the themes of a game, their interaction with mechanics, or just, just themes in general, like how you would obtain uh, a thing, that, something you want to work on, something you want to get to, or a cool one from your past? Oh, I keep, I've been in like some pretty sustained campaigns and some pretty consistent groups for a while. And especially with regards to D&D, you know, I've been, I'm always daydreaming up like, oh, if I were going to start a new campaign, it was going to be like this. And I'd make sure that everyone had seen this movie before we did it. Cause I'd be like, this is the kind of shit I want people. And well, I mean, that hasn't happened, obviously. I'm just been in the same campaign for like two years now, but uh, I don't know, just talk to your people, right? Like, establish this sort of thing clearly make sure everyone's familiar with the same kind of touchstones what else do i have uh, play blades in the dark everyone should do that it's a great game uh talk about a game where the mechanics really reinforce it blades in the dark is a heist game you were familiar with it i ran it for you at gen con yes i was i was mostly conscious you toasted, was... but <laughs> and i do, I do remember it's... saying things like you, you would you would you would ask me the result of things like i would a thing would happen and you would say well uh, you have a, a complication on your role. Uh, what happens? <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. I thought you would tell me that. Uh, I think I, I, I uh, compared it to going to the liberal church as a kid. <laughs> it's like, it I don't is, know what the rules are. You're not familiar with these like touchy-feely narrative games. This is the whole new generation of stuff that is really just lazy GM excuses to make other people do work for you. Of like, <laughs> man, something interesting happens, and I look at the player and I'm like, uh, what is it? You think of something? <laughs> I knew it. We cracked the code. All right, so Blades of Dark started to interrupt you. Highest game. You ran it for me. I was there. Uh, I've, I've so, run a few other since, and the, the game, you know, it wants you, you know, you're doing these, like, dramatic heists, but unlike Shadowrun, where, like, one surprise test is going to, you know, foobar your entire mission, probably, or at least put it on a really stressful timer, Blades of the Dark, you know, it's full of timers. It's full of these clocks that you're ticking up when something bad happens. Like, you know, say you tick up to four out of four, on the, the guards alerted clock or whatever it is. But everything in the game is still built for you to treat it just like you, what are they, I read it somewhere, like treat it like a car you stole. Like you're just flying through it. You're like, I don't care, man, YOLO. You spend um, a couple points of like this stress reservoir to do something incredible. And if you're lucky, you make it through the heist without taking a severe psychological trauma. And I think it's just great. I, I, need, I, I do need to try it again. So um, it's not really built for a one-shot, in my opinion. You can have a little fun with a one-shot, but it's built for like a short campaign where you get to grow this, you know, gang of thieves. Or you know, there's versions where you're space outlaws, and you are sort of supposed to just sort of wear out one character and then pick up another uh, if you know they die or they get too much psychodrama. Interesting. See, that's that, that, that's also a mechanic from Gloomhaven, by the way. You have a constant system by which you retire characters. And you don't have to, but the game pushes you in that direction mechanically. You get extra bonuses to your next character. There's just cool missions you do to unlock said character. You, you want to know what you, you don't know what it even is. There's just a symbol. You get like when you have a character, you have a card that describes sort of like you know, some vague aspect of the uh, of the next character in a symbol that kind of represents them, kinda. And like, oh, I wonder what this new toy is, right? And at some level, you max out. You can't do anything else. You you will very easily hit max level before you have completed the game so you are very often retiring characters you're a gm in gloomhaven or is it going to run itself it mostly runs itself you have a person who like you have a person who runs it but they're also the player but yeah it, 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 it is very much pve it is you versus the board with, with 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 preset ai rules like the ai will follow like it, it, there's a list of what they do when it's their turn what they do you know they, it, there is no 
or very little. I'll say there's very little choice in what any of the enemies will do. Sounds less cool, but still, I'm sure it's great. Anyway, um, the I'd say otherwise, at least for blades, if like you haven't, you know, completely burned out a player, like the GM just isn't doing their job hard enough. And I know that from experience because I'm a very soft GM. God, that that just stresses me. I, again, I, I keep going back to Gloomhaven for some reason. Maybe, maybe because I played it today. So that's but in, in Gloomhaven, you are constantly dying. Like just just existing, you will die. It's a it's a weird like you have a, a series of cards in your hand like you have let's say, let's say you have 12 cards you must play two every turn when you run out one is lost permanently and you get those hands back so 12 11 10 and more powerful cards are just lost permanently anyway so it's very easy to just run out of gas like you actually like one of the big struggles in the game is when you kill an enemy they drop a little coin token that represents money and you can't get them unless you end your turn on them and that's hard to do because you have to constantly be going. You can't take a. It's generally speaking, you can't just rest and take a break and like exist. As long as you're in that dungeon, you are. There is a clock ticking until you are done, and it it stresses me out. XCOM, you ever play XCOM? I uh, played XCOM Enemy Unknown. It didn't feel that way. I was just thinking. I played it a couple of days ago. There's like to pick up something. You have to like go and put your person over it, even though like you probably have to run for the extraction zone at that moment. Right. Well, the, okay. There is that aspect of it. Touche. I, I do love that game very, very, very much. It's just, but if you just stood there and hit spacebar and ended your turns, like, like, yeah, have you ever uh, on, a, on a crash site mission of Enemy Unknown, you approach real slow, right, with lots of Overwatch and and paced moving. If you do that in Gloomhaven, you'll just die. <laughs> like, if you, if you, you just die. Like you get, you have to play cards every turn, no exception. And when your hand's empty, you permanently lose a card. And when you're out of cards, you're done. You're exhausted. Your character's out of the fight. Well, this is getting aside from my uh, Blades Sorry. of Dark record. But uh, <laughs> it's a great game. I'll just say that much. You know, I'm sure we're going long. But it's a great game that absolutely does reinforce, like, the, the setting it's in. Some people might not like it at all. You know, I think, like, we have to get in the minds of players who don't necessarily want the game to dictate, like, what the what their character is supposed to be like. Yeah, some people really like that total freeform thing. Yeah, I, I think that that would be a challenge for me, and I think I, I would enjoy it if I tried it again. And lots of people would also like that to to be able to just really go nuts is, is go nuts with it. Is that a very how about this mechanically in Blades in the Dark? Does it because of that psychotrauma you mentioned, or I guess good old fashioned death? Is there kind of a push to uh, to to change character? Like, there's no necessary push like that in Shadowrun. You know, just don't die. You get to keep playing your dude you know no, it's very plausible to make a new shadow runner and just be like hey i'm part of the team now too this, this is true i'm not saying you can't but is is there a push is it i guess just in your normal course of events barring obscene luck are you going to run through your character like yeah you may have successfully completed every heist but you're just mentally burnt if you are lucky and uh your gm is not too tough you can keep your character till you know whenever you guys stop the campaign i ran a game for oh, it must have been like eight or nine months and only one character uh, got killed. Everyone else was able to keep their originals. Okay, I, I was just wondering, like, to, to what level that was a stressor. Like, you know, I don't care how good you are, how good your plan is, blah blah blah. Eventually, your guy's just going to be too overtaxed, and therefore, mechanically, we're going to be pushing you to play a different character. But not, it's it's just it's kind of a thing, but not necessarily an overwhelming one. I, I think it's supposed to be a thing. I think I really just was a little too soft on him. Like I was fighting. <laughs> I was letting him get away with a little too much, or like, hey, can we get one of one of these psychotraumas if we do like a creepy cult ritual? And I'm like, well, they are a creepy cult, so 
yes, that sounds plausible. I should have just been like, no, live with your psycho trauma or get another character. <laughs> Too bad. He needs to go have a few my ties to the beach. New character. So uh, interesting. That's God, not, 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 you. You were pulling me back in to Blades of Dark. Pull me back in. But cool. And anyway, I think we have run about. We've we've done our allotted bit, and I, I hope that this has been at least somewhat interesting to everyone. And that we have made everyone happy, and we haven't said too many controversial things, at least me, uh, <laughs> about D and D Shadowrun, Blades of the Dark, uh, Eastern uh, <laughs> religion, Legend of the Five philosophy, Rings. you know, <laughs> Legends of the Five Rings. So cool. Well, uh, I, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you coming here, helping hey. us out. So my pleasure. You, you know what? I love hanging out with Cotton. I'm sorry I didn't get to do it this year, but there was no Gen Con, or there will be Gen Con later, but I'm not going to go to it. <laughs> there, there is a Gen Con, but it's just not for me. I like how that was just... <laughs> Well, y'all, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, you can catch me on the, uh, the, the Without a Net Discord server. We'll see if we can get gripped on there occasionally. And I hope you all have a good night. Good night, y'all.